podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello everyone and welcome to this week's edition of the Spanish Football Podcast. I'm Phil Kitchmelides in Madrid. I'm joined by Sid Lowe in Qatar. Hello Sydney. Hello Philip, how are you? I'm okay. You're incredibly perky because you've already had 15 cups of tea today and it's <laughs> only midday. So you're uh, The media centre here has, the, has, has um, big urns of hot water and tea bags. And so yes, I'm drinking very, very, very large amounts of tea. I did bring some of my own tea bags, but I'm not even needing them. It's amazing. What, they've got Earl Grey there, have they? No, they haven't. I'm oh. drinking normal tea, but I've got some Earl Grey. So what I've been doing is bringing like a couple of Earl Grey with me <laughs> to the media centre. Yeah. And sort of savouring those two cups of tea and just downing the other 15. Yeah, good. Yeah, just a real insight into the uh, day-to-day <laughs> life of a reporter out in the World Cup <laughs> in, in Qatar. Anyway, more, more interestingly, you were at the game last night, weren't you? The game that Spain won... Germany won a really, really good game, certainly from a neutral perspective, I thought, anyway. Although I had a few friends back in England who were messaging me, WhatsApping me, going, well, it's a bit boring. I was going, are you really? crazy? This is a fantastic game. Uh, on, what, um, on what grounds did they think it was boring? I, I'm, I'm quite interested in, in, in this as a kind of a starting point. Look, obviously when you're doing a match report, the sort of the excitement element doesn't quite play in the same way. Yes. Um, but, but I thought it was exciting. So why did they think it was boring? I think there was an element of maybe winding me up as well. Okay. But because there weren't, <laughs> I mean, there weren't, weren't that many sort of clear-cut chances, I guess. But I don't know. I, don't know. I, I mean, maybe a bit too much bit too much of that passing, you know, that sideward passing and not too much getting the ball up into the box. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe they were just mm. winding me up. Anyway, it was a really yeah. good game. Uh, there was incredible level of intensity to it there was incredible level of of quality technical ability on show and in the end it finished 1-1 Spain taking the lead uh, just past the hour mark through Alvaro Morata uh, before Germany's unknown striker got the goal I'm going to say he's unknown he was unknown to us we'll admit it we're not too big to admit that we didn't know who Nicholas Fulkrug was but we do now we do now we do now and he scored a very good goal we don't know a huge amount him now about him now. I'm gonna I'm gonna get cocky here and say I did know a little bit about him, um, if only because uh, because one of my colleagues here, um, although he's Chilean, 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 he he works for a, a German newspaper. He was brought up in Germany, and so we we actually talked about uh, Fulkrug a little bit yesterday before the game, right? Uh, and about this whole idea, this debate about Germany not having a number nine, and this is the guy, but this is a guy that. A year ago was playing in the second division, a guy that made his Germany debut 11 days ago, although he's now on three caps and two goals. Um, and and, and I, I suspect that he will now continue to play because of that idea of having someone there who's a presence, who maybe suits their style a little bit. And, and I think there's been a lot, and, and you know, I include myself in this, by the way, uh, uh, because this is, you know, talking to people about it, that a very clear sense of Germany evolving over the last 15 or 20 years, in part through emulation of Spain. But that has created a kind of a debate back in Germany. I realise this isn't a German football podcast, and I also realise that those, those of, of, of our listeners and our, and our colleagues who really do follow Germany will be thinking, hey, you've missed all the nuance to this. But there's kind of that debate about whether Germany needs to sort of evolve back away from that a little bit, about whether there's a problem with, and this is true of Spain as well, the, the, the development of very talented midfielders, but maybe not forwards. And so, so Fulkrug is, is, is kind of countercultural in that sense. Um, and... 
and you know he's the guy that wins in the game and you could go a little bit not further, wins. couldn't you not wins but sorry wins them sorry win, wins them the chance to go through that I, I very nearly got away with that hmm. um, you, you can make a point couldn't you as well that this is a, a game in which two teams who want a lot of the ball in the end Spain have more of it than Germany but they broadly speaking both want the ball both teams played without a recognised number nine both teams ended up putting a recognised number nine on the pitch as a substitute and it was those two guys that scored uh, a draw a fair result would you say yeah I think so um, I think by the end I would argue that, that Germany created more chances yeah um, although admittedly that partly comes in that last 20 minutes sort of you know, on, uh, is onslaught too strong a word I think it is but that last 20 minutes where they were where they were coming at Spain when they knew they needed to get the goals I thought Multiala by the way was absolutely brilliant um, I thought I thought Sané when he when he came on was was really really good. You you see the combination of Fulkrug, Musiala, and Sané combined. I think three times in the last fifteen minutes to create really good chances, mm. really really good chances. One the ball across that Fulkrug can't quite get to. There's the other one that Musiala probably should score. Unai Simon saves, and then of course it's those three involved in the, in the goal when it comes as as well. Um, obviously you've got the the Rudiger goal, and then you've got another moment where Rudiger gets another free kick and he receives it at the far post and has a shot this time with his foot rather than his head and, and Unai Simon saves and so I think in terms of clear chances for Spain you've got the Dani Olmo one against the bar and you've got the goal and possibly not a huge amount else No, nope, you don't you genuinely don't I was just looking through my, uh, my notes of the game and, and, and there really isn't much more uh, to that um, Morata going through at the end mm-hmm. and um, oh that's true yeah, yes, yeah, yeah, yes yeah. that's true being yeah. put through by, uh, by Nico Williams alright let's analyse a little bit about <coughs> how Spain played uh, in mm. this game it was something almost unheard of it was practically an unchanged side uh, from, yeah. the, uh, from the team that thrashed Costa Rica only one change at right back with Carvajal coming in for Azpilicueta other than that it was the same team were you surprised by that at all? well I, I, I think it didn't make it into the final version of the match report because obviously you, you kind of look at the team news and then and then that sort of gives way to what actually happens on the pitch. Mm-hmm. But I was thinking about this and I think this is a, this is essentially not making any changes at all by Luis Enrique's standards. And not only that, but as you say, it was, it, please please don't take this the wrong way. And it, you obviously don't need to take this the wrong way because as everyone knows, I absolutely love Danny Alves, right? But mm-hmm. it was only a right back. You know, it's a change. And it's only a right back. So you could argue that this is you know a, a relatively insignificant piece in terms of the construction of the team. And it's not just that, of course. It's actually putting in the guy that we thought would be first choice right back anyway, mm-hmm. because because Danny Carver had had, had uh, flu, I think it was, before the first game, and, and was unable to to play. I'll be honest with you. On last night's performance, I think Azpilicueta goes back into the team. Yeah. Um, I thought Carvajal didn't have a good time of it. Uh, I thought he, he mistimed. Not so much his challenges, but his movement. Mm. He tried to step into challenges, I thought, sometimes, and kind of occasionally stepped too far. I think he found it difficult to bring the ball out from the back. Um, but, but yes, it, it was, in theory at least, the Spain, Spain, same Spain team, the same Spain approach. What was different, I felt, and I, I don't know if this came across on the telly, was that after the first 15 minutes or so where I thought Spain were very good yes. and we saw a couple of times when yes. they played through the press really nicely and, and Pedri did a couple of there was one moment where Pedri did a sort of a, a Iniesta stroke Xavi thing where he did a kind of a full circle turn <laughs> away from the, the press I can't remember who it was that was pressing him and they sort of gl- and sort of glided out from the back and you just thought whoa that is that, you know that is Pedri all over but actually I felt that after that first 20 minutes or so yeah maybe a bit less Spain started 
maybe yeah. a bit less yeah. yeah Spain started to have real difficulties finding a way out mm. and in particular Carvajal and Busquets mm. uh, I, I thought Busquets we've talked a lot about Busquets and that, that being under pressure and the, the intensity of the game and the physicality and whether that's a problem for him and I think it's not, not necessarily a problem if he can step into the game but I think if he finds people on his back or if he finds himself forced to go backwards then I think there are, there are difficulties uh, and I thought Spain had more difficulties than we maybe anticipated but of course the thing to point out here is this is Germany yes I mean they should have difficulties yes 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 absolutely um, why do you think Rodri is playing at centre back instead of Eric Garcia or Pau Torres well the fact that he played in this game yes slightly changes my answer hmm. um because we thought he might not in this game. Yes, exactly. And the fact that he did changed my answer and it leads us to another part of the answer that we did give in the last podcast, but I think we gave it, to use a Spanish phrase, with the small mouth, con la boca pequeña. Mm. Right? It was, it was an element, but we weren't sure that it was a key element. And let me explain what I mean by that. The first game, Luis Enrique's assistant coach even said this. We thought this was a game where we would have loads of possession, where the other team would play with only one at the top, where the position on the pitch of our defensive line would be really high. In other words, and this is something that, that I talked about with Rodri in the interview that we did before the first game, um, the areas on the pitch where the central defender gets the ball in a Spain team that plays a defensive line very high is basically the same areas on the pitch you get the ball when you're a pivot. And so in a way, it was like a way of having a defender who could bring the ball out who could play in a comfortable position for him, albeit he knows there's no one behind him. But, but it's, it's a bring the ball out, it's about having possession, it's about stepping into the midfield, and that's really beneficial against a team like Costa Rica, who you anticipate being incre- incredibly defensive. So it was a, a, a tactical response to a particular game. That's what we thought. The fact that he did it against Germany, which, by the way, was what I'd initially thought before Spain started talking about this, leads us to another element, which is the physicality, the contundencia, which we always talk about, you know, that, that decisiveness when you make a tackle, that you, when you go to clear the ball, you bloody well clear it. You know, when you go to make a tackle, you wipe the man out if you have to. You don't doubt, you don't hold back, you go in. Um, and, and that's why I thought he might play against Germany pre-tournament. Once we got here and we were listening to Luis Enrique, I thought, OK, it's for the Costa Rica game, but it's not for the Germany game. Well, it was as well. So that gives us both of those two arguments, the contundencia, the physicality, if you like, and the, the, the ability to bring the ball out from the back. And I think it leads us on to the third argument, which is the one that I think we said the other day, con la boca pequeña, with the small mouth. And I think actually there is something fairly simple. And I'm uneasy saying this because it sounds very, very dismissive. I think it says that he doesn't entirely trust his other defensive options. I think it, sa- I think it basically says he thinks Rodri's better than Eric and than Powell. Yes, yeah, it does. It, it would appear that way. It would appear yeah. that way, uh, which maybe leaves one or two questions as to why he took those two defenders that he didn't yeah. necessarily trust. But, I mean, you know. in, in his defence, I suppose I would say Luis Enrique doesn't do anything by chance. No. He doesn't just ha- do things on a whim. He thinks very carefully about it. And the decision to bring them would have been thought through. Also, these are not unknowns to him. This is the other thing that makes this weird. If he is now deciding... I trust Rodri more than these two then you sort of think yeah, but you, you've known that for a long time mm. with Eric and Powell those occasional moments where there's a little a little moment of doubt a little lack of that contundencia that Rodri talks about um, and maybe we saw it in a man didn't we we saw it in a man with Powell that Powell in the ga- game against Jordan the friendly that, that Powell just sort of 
allowed people to get away from him a couple of times. And so I suppose you could, in Lewis Enrique's defence, say maybe that Amang game frightened him a bit later than he was expecting. Maybe he doesn't entirely trust the other options either because me and you have talked about Inigo Martinez and David Garcia. And, but, you know, he still wants ball players. And maybe, maybe it's just that he thinks Rodri is the, a nice combination of the two things. Maybe, maybe. I mean, maybe just he likes him so much. He's such a good player. He's playing at such a high level that he needs to get so into the team prepared, somehow. Exactly. He's prepared mm. to break, if you like, the structure mm. or the, 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 the normal rules of who you play. Because he doesn't normally like having people out of position, but I think with Rodri, he's, he's happy to do it. I think he's also seen that, actually, this guy really can play at centre-back. Mm. And I agree with you. I think there's a bit of him that just thinks, I want him in the team, but I'm yeah. definitely not taking ball skets out. Yeah. Uh, Alvaro Morata coming off the bench and, and scoring a really, really nice goal. Brilliant ball in from Jordi Alba. And the finish yeah. is, is absolutely... It looks simple. It's not simple. That's a it's, great it's a, finish. It's, it's a really good goal. I saw an interesting stat uh, about Morata. He's now scored 61 goals for Spain at all age groups tying mm-hmm. Raul Gonzalez as the uh, leading all-time Spain scorer in all in all age groups and yet there are still question marks about Morata certainly here in Spain uh, I've heard quite a lot of comments <laughs> from my Spanish friends who don't uh, necessarily like Morata uh, that much there is so much sort of mental baggage on, on, on Morata and it's something that he's dealt with for a long time, seemingly come through the other end. Uh, this, this goal will help him, won't it? Yeah, and it was a, a different type of goal from Morata as well, wasn't it? Mm. Um, I don't know about you, but I was reminded a little bit of Paco Alcácer. It was that kind near of Near post, that, sort of, yeah, yeah. yeah. The dash to the near post, the first time finish, the turn it with your outside of your boot towards goal. Really, really good finish. A little bit different to the kind of things Morata does. Possibly beneficial because it's a finish without thinking. Well, not without thinking, that's not fair. All players are thinking about what they're going to do, but it's not one of those where you've got the different options running through your mind if you see what I mean it happens too quickly for that um, I think Morata's a, a really good footballer I think it's true that he misses chances at times it's true that we get those moments where we where we detect a, if you like an emotional vulnerability which I think does get taken onto the pitch a little bit but I think he does things that the others don't and actually Luis Enrique has been a huge defender of him I mean partly because he has to be of course and we have to put this into context you know it, you, a manager defending his players is done through conviction but it's also done through expediency you know, it's done through the fact that you've got to do this um, and, and I think he does offer things that are different to the others I think he came on yesterday partly because of an understanding that Germany were going to step up and that run through the gap was going to be there for him which, which Asensio doesn't really do but Morata absolutely does in the end that's not the way he scored the goal although as you've mentioned he had a chance later on that was a bit more like that you know, the ball threw into the space and running on to um, I think he will play a part at this World Cup I, I think Luis Enrique is a little bit unsure still about what he wants that forward line to look like. Mm. Um, uh, but I think it's good that he's got different types of options. Have you seen that chance for Morata played through by Nico Williams again replayed? No. No, no, no. I saw it live last night. I've not seen it since. It's, it's not... He, he really should have done better. He takes about four touches to get the ball under control and by that time right. the Germany defender is... So it was just a little bit of a nutshell, really. I said the goal... I mean, Morata in a nutshell, I said the goal will help him and it, and it will, but then he was through and couldn't get the ball yeah. under control. So uh, maybe. I think, I think as well, there is another thing. And, and actually, this is something that Luis Enrique said uh, during the Euros last summer. Was it last summer or the summer before? Last I've summer. Lost, totally, totally lost track of it. Um, and he made a point, and I wonder about this. And, and obviously, look, we as journalists are guilty of this as well. I wonder if it's, there's an element of labelling here. 
there's an element of give a dog a bad name, mm-hmm. right? Which is that I think when Morata misses a chance, it's like, Morata, he misses chances. When other people miss his chance, it's just a chance that's been missed. And the reason why I say Luis Enrique made this point, do you, do you remember in the Euros when Luis Enrique, after Gerard Moreno, had missed a couple of really good chances against... Was it the Poland game? I can't remember which game it was now. And Luis Enrique basically said, which I thought was risky in terms of how Gerard Moreno would, would feel and interpret it, he basically said, if Morata had done what Moreno's just done, you lot would be killing him. And I think he's sort of right, by the way. But I think you, you kind of create a narrative around the player that then sort of means that when it happens, it feels like it's happened more than when it happens to someone else, if you see what I mean. Hmm. Now, this isn't to say that Morata doesn't miss chances. He does. This isn't to say that Morata doesn't express sometimes that idea of vulnerability. He does. But I wonder if we sometimes project it onto him a little bit as well. Because actually his goal-scoring record, as you've mentioned with those figures, is not bad. Uh, going back to last summer at the, at the Euros, I remember a Luis Enrique press conference when he was defending Morata wildly in fact amazing he, amazing defence of him yeah he, he, he was asked about his team and he said Morata y Mas, you know Morata yes. and 10 more that, 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 that's going to be my team and then he went on to say I'm going to look at the numbers here and you know look at these statistics and after 40 games the only player with more goals in the history of the Spain national team than Álvaro Morata is David Villa and then he went on to mm. mention some other statistics as well about that, yeah. that calendar year and, yeah. you know about who scored more goals than Morata in Europe and it wasn't many players at all he believes yes. in him, he sticks up for him. That has helped Morata a lot mentally. And let's see, let's see um, yeah. what, 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 what role he plays in this, um, in this uh, World yeah. Cup. I, 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 I want to move on and ask about someone else, Sid, in that forward line. Danny Olmo? No, someone oh. we haven't seen. Someone who hasn't even warmed up. Ansu Fati, man. Yeah. We thought, yeah. We thought he was going to play. We thought he might even start the first yeah. game. He not yeah, only has did. he not started, like I said, he hasn't come on, he hasn't even warmed up, he hasn't been close to being involved in these two games. Here's, here's the thing that I don't want to make too much of. Um, but now that we're mentioning Ansu Fati, I, I might, may as well put it into the mix. And I don't want to make too much of it because there is a definite risk of me massively overplaying it. Ansu Fati looks slightly on his own in training. You know, he looks hmm. like a... a, a I don't know how to explain it really just a sort of a slightly awkward fit if you sort of mean Mm. Um, we know he's come from injury Uh, we know he's a quiet lad but as as a kind of general rule anyway Um, that obviously doesn't necessarily explain anything because you can still put him on the pitch and he can still score goals I think I think there is a there is a a fitness element I think there is a doubt about his level but I think that it was worth taking him because he has goal and I, I, I think as well if we look at this in terms of what do you do with Ansu Fati we haven't had maybe the scenario where you need him yet. Do you see what I mean? In that he's yeah. the guy that when you're struggling to get the goals or struggling to break someone down, you sort of feel like you would trust him to somehow find a way. And of course, the first game was a game where they absolutely battered Costa Rica and they didn't need it. Although maybe, maybe they was could have given him to... some minutes. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah, it sort of depends how you want to manage him. Uh, and I think Luis Enrique did actually... I don't want this to sound cruel to the players that he brought on. I think he, he was thinking to himself, I'm going to put on some players who might otherwise not get any minutes at this tournament. Mm. I really do think there was an element of that. Um, I think with Ansu, he probably thinks he will get on at some point or, or that if he doesn't, he's either young enough or not fit enough that, that, that he can justify it. I don't know if I'm over-interpreting that. It's possible. I think, I think then, then you get the Germany game and it's not really a game for Ansu either. Mm. Um, albeit once upon a time it might have been you know that run into space but I think at the moment it doesn't feel like it and I think you look at the, the profile of the two players he puts on Nico and Morata two players who can run very fast in straight lines 
I mean, they, they do more than that. I'm obviously not claiming that that's the only thing they do, but but they do that, and and that scenario is maybe not Ansu's scenario. So I, I I wouldn't get over concerned about it yet, but I I must admit it is uh, what do you call this in English? It's llamativo. Um, what's that? It like, stands out. It, it, it calls you yeah. calls your attention, grabs your attention, doesn't call mm. your attention. No, it certainly does. It certainly does. Um, I was listening to the radio here in Spain this morning. They're having a furious debate and argument, as they always <laughs> no, are, about surely. everything. <laughs> about everything. But one thing that they all seem to be agreeing on mm. is that Spain already into the last 16. They were talking about who they want and who they might have to play and, and yeah. roots into the uh, latter stages of the competition. And I just felt like I was sort of screaming at the radio, you're not it's through not yet. It's not done yet. It's yeah. not done yet. You've still got to play Japan. OK, a draw and you're through. Fine. But it's, you know, it's Japan. It's not Liechtenstein. You know, Japan could still... If Japan beat Spain, Spain are in serious trouble. Yes. Yeah, I, I, I will admit that this morning, and this happened last night in the, in the mix zone, and I've been writing it this morning, both Rudiger and David Raum, German players, asked Spain to beat Japan but to see them through, right? Because it helps Germany go through if Spain beat Japan. Uh, and, and there's this been, been this kind of background noise that Spain, you know, no. Spain and Japan could get a draw and get rid of Germany now that's not entirely true by the way because it's risky, yeah. for, it's, it's risky for Japan to do that because Germany with the right it's result goal still goes through right? with a draw yeah the, the, the reason I bring it up is that that speaks to what you're saying that the assumption is we're through so is it about whether we can get rid of Germany now, hang yeah. on a minute you still might not go yeah. through um, that's exactly what, how so, they were talking on the radio this morning yeah exactly and, and, and Spain, it's possible that Spain don't go through still, not least because Japan know that a draw might not be enough for them, so they have to try and win, which might be good for Spain. Or, but, but, you know, it's a good team they're playing. Uh, it's not done yet. I mean, I think Spain and Germany will now go through. Hmm. I think that's what will happen, which is what should have happened. In the, you know, you look at the group, they're the teams that should go through, but they could all still go through and they could all still go out. If Spain and Japan draw... And Costa Rica beat Germany. Costa Rica go through as group winners. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's how ridiculous yeah. this group is. It's here's a question for you, and, and you know I'm going to go back to that debate. And as you say, the debate in itself is daft. But here's the thing: is it better for Spain to go through in second than in first? Because then they don't get Brazil in the quarterfinals. And I realise I've now just done what those Come people on, on the radio that's were doing. Literally what they were doing. <laughs> Come on, better than that. But yeah, maybe, maybe it is. <laughs> maybe it is. Uh, they face the. Uh, um, top two in the group uh, featuring uh, Belgium, Morocco and uh, Croatia. So one of those three will be uh, Spain's opponents in the last 16, if they make it through, which is which is not a foregone uh, conclusion. Um, tell us what else you've been up to, uh, Sid, in, in Qatar. What other games have you been at? What have you seen? Who's impressed you? Well, um, Musiala impressed me enormously last night. Uh, oh, yeah. I, thought, I thought he was brilliant. Um, there were flashes from, from, from Jao Felix in the Portugal game, but not a huge amount. Um, the Portugal Sounds Ghana, Yeah, the Portugal-Ghana <laughs> game was, 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 was enjoyable. I went to see England. That you were at Argentina-Mexico, man. I was at Argentina-Mexico, which was... Which was a right, horrible game. Terrible here's, game. Here, here, here's the thing. Um, I, obviously, I was doing the sidebar rather than match report, so you're, you're looking for a theme, and then, of course, Messi very kindly gave it to me when he scored that goal. Just yeah. about early enough to be able to rattle that piece off although I was starting to get nervous to say the least um, we've seen that goal quite a few times from Messi I don't think I've ever seen a celebration like it from him though no, no, no. Um, and, and you know I, I, I think I think we might I don't know if we mentioned it in the pod but we certainly mentioned it in, in, our, in our TSFP internal communications channel um, 
there was. I think it isn't that absurd to suggest that that was Messi's most important game ever. In that the whole yeah, thing I is mean, building. Yeah, I mean, I suggested that. it on Twitter, and then <clears throat> people were going, "Oh, he's played a World Cup final, man!" No, but but it's yeah, no, I, but, I know but, that. But, but I know. we know that. But this is that. this is you go out at this stage, and there's nothing left. That's it. That's it. That's it's the over. end. It's we over. might genuinely never see him play again because I, I was wondering. I, I was even wondering this before the game. If Argentina get beaten in the second game and go out, would Messi even play the third game? Hmm. You know, He'd have and, to. and, He'd and have it, to. it was absolutely huge. And the yeah. weight on him and the way that his whole career is building to this. I mean, obviously, it's not his whole career because his career will always be there. But there was a sense that this was his everything, and that reaction, that celebration. I don't think I've seen anything like it except maybe the Copa America final and that's different because that's the release of having won this was the relief and the liberation and the sense of it's being done and you know the way that he was blowing kisses to the crowd and that, that sense of connection with them which hasn't always been there throughout his career and now is and then he was looking to the sky and he was talking and, and I speculated in my piece that, that you know is, is there a message there for Maradona apparently there's some footage where it looks like he says gracias Diego at one point during that conversation so he actually was which I was delighted about because of course I couldn't know that for sure um, and uh, by the way can I have a can I can I can I criticise the media here please you've got a celebration like that you've got him talking to the sky not just doing the point which he's always done for his career for his grandmother but kind of talking to the sky he goes into the press conference after the game man of the match he does televisions radio and an incredible scrum which I was in post game and it wasn't pleasant being 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 kind of in the middle of a it was like a, it was like a goal celebration scrum mm-hmm. but just a sweaty journalist instead of sweaty sweaty footballers right Lovely. he answers quite a few questions no one says what were you saying who were you talking to mm. i think that's a, I, I, I think that's bad journalism man that's the question that's not the question you've got to ask but it's one of them mm. instead of two or three that are all the same obviously as I say I was in the scrum people are shouting questions out mm. I'm not in a position to get that question heard by him unfortunately no I mean those kind of scrums are oh they're, they're <laughs> I, I, I was I was I was writing about the mix zone this morning oh yeah um, because of last night's um, comments from, from Danny Olmo and, and, and Danny Carvajal and I included the line the most demeaning place on earth and then I thought Given everything that's happened around this World Cup, that's probably a bit, bit unpleasant. Even though I was joking, so I took it out. But it is a very demeaning place. Yeah, that's such a great word. I always found it so demeaning. I mean, at times I've been literally on my knees, sticking a mic up above my head, desperate, yes. desperate yeah. to try and hear yeah. some, you know, not particularly inspiring phrases from a from a millionaire who I'm desperately begging to say yeah. something. Oh, yeah. Who, who in that situation is quite literally as well as figuratively looking yeah, down on you. It is very demeaning, but there we go. It's all <laughs> parcel of the job, uh, I guess. Um, all right, we're going to uh, draw to a close uh, today's uh, TSFP. We are continuing to pod over at patreon.com forward slash TSFP uh, as ever. So make sure you are a patron to get your continued Spanish football content. Q&A podcast out tomorrow, bonus podcast out uh, later on in the week. We are still podding throughout the World Cup, so come and join us, amigos. We're taking your questions, and there's lots for us uh, to discuss. Um, Sid, rumours are that you're wearing a light blue shirt today in Qatar. Perhaps a celeste, celeste kind of blue, a very light Uruguayan blue, perhaps. Yeah, some would say that I deliberately chose this shirt, and they would be right. Yes, yes. Um, I mean, it's not, I, it's not I, a Uruguay shirt, but no, it is a shirt it's not. I, I, I really wish I, I, I had got one in time for this. Um, I will sing extra loud for you, Philip. 
it's I'm really quite excited. He's going to Portugal, Uruguay tonight, and he is uh, he's excited. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, I've, se- I've seen Uruguay play before. Um, yes. actually, a few times. I, I mean, I saw them in Uruguay before the last World Cup. Saw their last two warm-up games against uh, Northern Ireland, bizarrely, and I think Slovakia was the other one. Not, not the most glamorous of opponents, but but Uruguay against Portugal is really tasty. Certainly is, uh, and you're also going to see uh, Ghana, South Korea as yeah, well. Yeah, so going to see, see going to do, do a double double header today. The, that's one of the things about this World Cup. Obviously, being effectively in a single city yes. means you can actually get to more. Than, I'm, I'm basically doing what I do in Spain, just in, yes. in Qatar today. Yes, so you know, it's like going, to, you know, Getafe to. to I'm now uh, doing the Getafe. To the I'm, today yeah. I'm doing the Getafe Wonder double header. Yes. Well, enjoy, and uh, we'll speak later on in the week. Uh, thanks very much for listening, uh, amigos, and the uh, podcast fun continues at patreon.com forward slash TSFP. Come and join us. Adios. Cheerio. Network.